The theme for the uh, afternoon uh, talk with you is uh, integration into liberation. For uh, starting this, the uh, closing talk of our uh, week together, just like just to give from the place of the, the text here, the general overview for two or three minutes of this uh, week-long period that we have had. So, some of the inspiration and uh, the insight and the methodology is drawing from a major and much-loved discourse of the Buddha. Remembering that there are some 10,000 of these discourses, sometimes just a few lines and verses, and a small number running to 10 pages or more. And that some of them, in the standing of history, has stood out, especially for the practitioners, the meditators. One of them is the four applications of mindfulness. Uh, the four foundations, as it's sometimes said. The encouragement with that discourse and the insight and exploration as best in our small and modest way we have been applying here. So, there are four important areas for mindfulness for those who wish to know liberation and be integrated with liberation. One is the, the body, which includes the breath. That's one of the four. The second are the feelings. Those feelings uh, include body, which we use here, the word sensations. And when we use feelings with regard to the mind, we use the word feelings. The pleasant and the unpleasant and so forth. The third are states of mind. And fourth is, the word is Dharma, so it includes teachings and practices. And also in the description it includes the outer world as much as the inner. One is mindful internally, one is mindful externally. And this refrain runs through this discourse. Then the Buddha said, at the end, he was asked, how long does it take to know liberation? And then the response goes, with a question mark. Seven years, six years, five years, four years, three years, two years, one year, no. Seven months, six months, five months, four months, three months, two months, one month, no. How long does one need for to know liberation and the wisdom that comes from it? He said, seven days is long enough. You've had your week. And if you need a second week, 
I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> the lovely aspect of the message is, and fitting with the talk I hope with you, is something can seem very far away. The big words. The word this evening is called liberation. The big words. And there can be the subject that's you, that's me. There can be the object called truth, reality, liberation, the deathless, emptiness, God, or whatever word may be, or no word whatsoever, and just for some, just an intuitive sense that this experience, meditation, mindfulness, concentration, listening to teachings, practices, indoors and outdoors, there is some confidence and trust. As the Buddha said, this experience or experiences is leading onwards. I may not know where it's going. I may have no idea with regard to the big words that get used, but there's something in the intuition, that means the deep inner voice, which says there's something authentic about this. There's something genuine. I'm learning a lot. I'm finding out about myself, about others, about life. There's something true about it. And this sense of something true about it and meaningful is the spark and the initiative. I want to keep exploring this. I want to find out more. I want to go deeper. I want to look more. And when a human being has a relationship which is called the subject, that's you, that's me, whatever, it is called the object, one of those words, or it may be called leading onwards. I'm quoting the Buddha there. It's just leading onwards. It feels right. It's something about it is putting my life in the right direction. But that movement that's ta- uh, taking place in metaphorical language is called the path. So the first retreat, the, the, the seven days that we've had uh, together, as you listened to Noah and I, body, breath body, feelings, states of mind and the Dharma, uh, inner and outer. Uh, that. And the outer is, has been including the talks, it's been including the inquiries, it's been uh, including the one-to-ones with uh, Noah uh, and myself, it's been including uh, the service, the uh, actions in the, uh, the morning and the bell ringing, all of that's in that fourth category and that's been going on here just as important. In the second re- uh, week, I'll just touch upon this very uh, briefly, in the, the sec- second week, we're taking um, another discourse which is called the mindfulness of breathing there which explores the deep in a, in a similar way but in other ways as well in which the heart is put more into the foreground uh, there and that exploration um, will, on the retreat, also have some fresh forms. There's going to be, I haven't even told Noah yet, but he won't mind. 
instead of just the usual form we can have more some circle forms as well for the sittings and uh, some changes in the timetable I'll speak to those who are staying uh, about that and there may be some of you who think oh maybe I should stay maybe uh, not and if you think oh I've got to go back to work somewhere in India or, or back in the west my, my small advice is just ring up your boss and so you've just sat every tree and the teacher Christopher said it would be really helpful to do one more week because you're nearly enlightened and, <laughs> and you think one more week would just be enough uh, there so that when you go back to the corporate world or business world or wherever you are working you can go back and you can start speaking to them about ethics and, and treating customers respectfully and protecting the environment and living with love and compassion for each other and they'll, they'll just welcome you with open arms uh, yeah, yeah. anyway, alright, ok <laughs> so in the exploration it is not to say and it's the problematic aspect of religion to say this is the only way not, not, not the Buddha's Dharma at, at, at all just not he uses the word ekagata there is this way towards even the talks when they were written down 2000 years ago they start off with the most beautiful sentence which for me I said I can read this because of the first words that are stated in the discourse evam me sutam my heart just poof. thus have I heard it isn't stating this was what was said as some kind of absolute truth thus have I heard and when we oh thus have I heard it may have been said like that That's, that may have been expressed like that but it may not have been just how I heard it. What a great beginning to a talk. I wish some of our uh, uh, experts that's have I heard. <laughs> All right, anyway. <laughs> Might be a little bit more generous in our view. So, here is, this, here is the situation of the human experience. In this situation of the experience uh, 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 which takes place sometimes it is helpful and valuable to express differences between this and that and one of the expressions which we've been touching upon over the days here together that here is the label or the name called human being and the word is an umbrella concept it's a single word or two words human being or person which is in reference to a composition of this world here and this world here can looked at more carefully we can make in practical terms some small separations one separation is called consciousness being conscious 
uh, our beloved scientists, incidentally, they do not know what to do with consciousness. They really have a hard time with it because they can't find it in the laboratory under the microscope. They forget there is the looker who is looking at, and the looker is important. The consciousness, so to speak, the one who looks, the observe, the being conscious of. And then there are the small divisions, the small separations which take place, which can be called body for one, uh, feelings for another, perceptions. So when I open my eye, this, this, this one, up, these two up here, uh, which is a fairly re remarkable little thing, so I have to comment on I hope you really appreciate that. You, during my time when I was in the monk in the cave, there and looking out at, at night over the, uh, over the ocean um, in uh, Thailand, in the Bay of uh, Thailand, Bay, there, and, uh, over the, uh, uh, the groves of the coconut trees, and seeing the moon as we've been watching here in Saranac, how extraordinary. This tiny little instrument which is so precious, we don't want anything to touch it because, <coughs> it, because it hurts. I don't mind any other parts of the body, but don't touch the eyeball. Whoa, 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 please, no. And that little that can look out at a galaxy. I mean, how awesome can it get? And that sense is that there is the contact my eyes open there and almost immediately it's so fast that the recognition comes in there's a touch which in fact is the bare patch of colour as the Buddha said I can't think of an analogy to, that compares with the touch of colour and its recognition I open my eyes people or whatever without even using the word uh, there Sometimes, of course, there can be the patch of colour, if I go like that, very quickly, I may, the inner life, the mind, may not know what was that. But most times, the important thing is what do we do with what the eyes see? This separates the Buddha from those who live a nightmare. I repeat, here's the instrument, whether one is the Buddha of the Buddhas, one might say, or struggling human being, or in a very difficult, difficult, difficult place. It's still the same event in the process, eyes open, recognition, what separates is what is the event that comes out in relationship to. And this, hopefully, we, you and I, we're really, really deeply interested uh, in. In all of that there is the development of all of those five areas I just referred to i.e. Consciousness, consciousness is to be developed. It's called mindfulness, it's called meditation, it's called being aware, it's called seeing clearly, it's called, 
called paying attention it's called being receptive it's called going deep and seeing what's down there within us consciousness is to be developed but the formations samkaras the form coming together which is what is included in that is definitely thought thought is not to be rejected it's not to be suppressed nor denied it's not to be treated as it gets in the way it's not in the teacher dharma it is that the consciousness being conscious, the meditator, the mindful one to have, not perfectly not all the time enough capacity to see clearly and in the first instance to see clearly is the simple question is this a useful thought? is this useful? is it helpful? Is it an obstruction? Is it getting in the way? Is it harmful? Is it problematic? And therefore to have with a certain calm the clarity having separated thought in this case from everything else everything else because thought has a prominent place in human life to be able just to notice and see is this a healthy, useful, valid thought? Is it just a stream of thinking? Is it problematic thinking about the way I'm looking at something or someone there? And that exploration of that develops healthy thought, wise thought, useful thought. Sometimes, with this, one has to, like everything else, be mindful here. If as a human being, I think too much, and this is mirroring and reflecting in my meditations, in my thoughts, of course, uh, or, or in information, in the exploration of renunciation, to find an integration with liberation, I will need to ask myself, is there too much input, this is the Buddha's word here, input, inflow, too much information coming in. If there is, it will be hard to go deep with the experience because there is too much information. And information in its presence in our life, in the uh, indulgence or the addiction or the preoccupation with this inpouring of information brings about a dependency on thinking. We think too much. And we think that if we think long enough we'll understand. No, no. What keep on thinking will do is keep on thinking. 
That's what he will do. Useless. And therefore, in the time on the tradition there, the relationship to what comes in, which is called words, concepts, ideas there, it's going to take some practice and some clarity if you wish to go really deep into the human experience to be able to decide this is worth listening to, this is worth reading, and this is not. And when it's not helpful, it's not supportive, and one says, I wish to realize that which the sages have realized of integration into a liberated life. Frankly, it's going to be a dramatic cut in what you read. It's going to be a dramatic cut in your text messages. In what else can I go on about? Um, uh, uh, the screen, in terms of watching and picking up bits of information here and there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's going to take the discipline of an authentic yogi to say this is helpful and this is not. This is contributing to finding some inner space and this is taking it up. This is killing my ability to concentrate because I'm, my mind is jumping from one thing to another because of all this social uh, media stuff and I use social media and a big apology but not heartfelt. So the use of what the inflow, asavas, they're called, palita. The inflow is, will take some reflection from us and say, what inflow is valuable, supportive, which nourishes the being, and that can come through a novel, it can come through the arts, it can come through a play, it can uh, come occasionally through cinema, through a conversation, through uh, the reading of a good uh, book, fiction and non-fiction. Sometimes the truth is revealed remarkably well in fiction, I have to say. It's something that touches us and we see the truth of that, whatever it was in that novel. So, this willingness to let go, do without bring more interest to the immediacy of the world may require from us some reduction in the information world, not absolutely, in order for more space to go more deep. And that deepening will contribute to a liberating movement to liberation. In the old tradition, as you know, it was complete renunciation. In the tradition of the yogis, uh, the authentic yogis, not these neo-models, one would go to the Ganga with the sadhu, with the uh, uh, with Guruji, whoever, there, and one would bathe uh, in the uh, 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 Ganga and come out and the vow was to be a sannyasin, an authentic sannyasin. 
in which one has renounced ownership, property, land, inheritance, the whole package. And one would start, to be born again, it's quite common in the religious world, would start afresh, being nobody, having nothing, and then exploring. That was the, 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 the tradition. You could do that. Why not? The other, which is more kind of integrated in our way of life, is that, and I'm serious here, the discernment, what's supportive for one's practice and development of one's mind? What's too much information? What's knowing, which has knowledge and experience working together, and what's just knowing about? And said, what's knowing, Dharma language, which has knowledge and experience working together, and what's just knowing about, which is knowledge, but no experience. So there isn't any knowing. And we're interested in the knowing there. Second one there, as I say, with the perceptions I just referred to there, the feeling world there. <coughs> it isn't easy to get, if we can get the balance right with the thought world, so it's a, a relationship of non-rejection, recognising its remarkable place in the field of human life, and it's beginning to get more connected with the experience which is another way of saying it's integrating more there's experiences there are feelings there are events in your and my life and the thought is not working against trying to get rid of nor is the thought getting into, involved in judgments of negative judgments about with experience there and really just quietly feeling into whatever the experience uh, may be if we can quietly feel into it and not react against it the quietly feeling into the experience will bring thoughts which will reflect and mirror the fact that one is quietly feeling into it. And this Dharma language, samatha and vipassana, samatha, the quietly feeling into, vipassana, the seeing clearly, the thought, the experience, the seeing clearly, can really work together. If you can, if you can, here or anywhere, just see if you can just take any experience which in the day is standing out for you in some way or other and just ask yourself whether it's difficult or enjoyable can this be integrated? What, what would be to integrate the thought and the feeling and the view and one really feels harmony with it? The thought, the feeling, the experience, 
and uh, the view about it, one, it feel, one feels integrated with it. Any, any kind of experience. In the development of the practice, which is liberating and integrating, are there. In that practice, we might call it Dharma practice or spiritual practice, if we uh, like those words. If you can catch the times when the I, which is not a problem actually, the I is not affected by some conditioned reaction. So you and I, we can use the language of, oh, I'm developing my practice. I'm finding out what this experience of being human really is about. I'm exploring and sharing with others my experience. It's lovely and precious and important and it is a freedom to use the language of I and my there. If we're mindful human beings and as the Buddha said the liberated ones he was asked what way do the liberated ones live? And he said, they live mindful lives and are at peace with life. Which, and then they were asked, is there anything else which shows an awakened human being, an enlightened human being, a liberated human being? Is there anything which they all have in common? And his response was, yes. All enlightened beings have a very deep sense of empathy with others. The Buddha said, this is what all enlightened beings have share. Deep sense of empathy with others. Beautiful statement. Beautiful statement. So, there's, at times, some integration. And the, the view is, oh, my, you know, my practice is developing. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps forward, one step back, two step back. You know, it's, it's a bit of a dance uh, there. But sometimes the reaction lands upon the iron mind. And when it does, it exaggerates the event. It e- exaggerates. So, there is the worldly I and my career, money, knowledge, being an expert, being clever, all those other things. More importantly, is, is, does the I and the my, in its dependent arising, does this I and my get a bit strong, infected, influenced. So when things are going pleasurable, there may be, out of it, quite common, some vision for the future. I wish, I would love to see this happen. Whatever. It may go into a role. Oh, I, 
I would love to be a whatever it, uh, it might be there's a certain kind of role or identity or um, wish to share something comes out and then there is enough mindfulness in which there is the recognition this view is really exaggerated this is over the top in which one has elevated oneself sometimes to being the Messiah saving all sentient beings and sometimes being a great religious, political great figure on earth or whatever it might be whoa, 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 whoa look, look, you're just having a good meditation <laughs> no need to go off <laughs> there but even though there is a lot of exaggeration about whoa, 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 if I keep doing this whoa, I'm uh, going to get fully enlightened that I just can't wait to tell everybody I meet <laughs> so it may go in that direction and it does because I hear this regularly from you but in the ego of it the spiritual ego which is, has its vulnerabilities it would be a pity in a way to reject it all and it may be that there is in it a healthy wish and aspiration to share and offer something in this world. It's good exaggerated. Spiritual ego is alive and well and it's blown it up out of all uh, proportions. But in all of that, if we can touch, as we've talked about here, the deeper feeling, the vision and the uh, aspiration, this is part and expressing a liberating process a liberating process or it's just about me and my and it starts to for some express in other ways for some of us and I can put myself in this small category yeah, that years uh, when I was a monk okay, yeah, so I'd be doing my practice you know, like we're doing, doing here sit, walk, stand, recline um, sleep, shit, eat and piss and that was the day from Monday to the next and uh, books, were, books were banned so therefore one had to uh, meditate and those of us who had the texts in the monastery the, the, the Buddha's uh, uh, teachings we would be in our hut at night it's true with our candle we were like, like, like spies or secret service or whatever just hiding <coughs> reading our book Hoping the teacher wouldn't, etc. Reading was scandalous, you know, it was like the nearest thing to a war crime in the monastery, <laughs> etc. And then sometimes one would come out of the hut in the morning, the gong would go at 4 a.m. in the morning, and it would go pretty loud, and the gong ringer, you know, would take up the job for uh, usually four weeks or uh, eight weeks. To stretch there, and the day would begin with uh, either sitting meditation on the little balcony of the hut uh, there, or the walking meditation. There were a hundred huts 
around the circle. A little bit like this, actually, but it was wooden huts in the circle with the, with the trees, bigger trees, and this, etc. And, and the teacher would also, actually, and time to time it would happen of not getting up at four o'clock in the morning, I mean, etc. Time to time it would happen, so when we get up, I mean, it's not like, you know, sleeping till lunch, getting up at 4.15, this was another war crime, you know, 4.20, and one would open the door and the teacher would be sitting there, right in front, on one spot, and I remember, and I was like, oh shit! <laughs> this is life in the monastery, I mean, teachers sitting, sitting like a statue, and I went, oh shit! <laughs> Then, then he'd get up and bow. Okay, four o'clock, I'll be up. <laughs> Watch out, I might encourage some of my co-teachers to sit outside your room in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we need the little reminders from the external to give us a little bit of extra support as we engage in the process of freeing ourselves up. And the importance I'm using here of the language here is that we can have the view <coughs> with ourselves, oh, I am so far from the consummation of this teaching. Or it's just leading onwards, but where is it really going? Because I'm really not sure, which is absolutely fair enough. And some of us, to come back to uh, myself here, I'd be doing, doing my practice in the monastery as best as well and committed as I could. And I can remember quite regularly the thought arising, what good is this doing anybody? I'm just sitting on my butt, breathing in and out, what point is in it, etc. And I'm just walking up and down, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, I'm walking up and down. And when we did, for 90 minutes, a circle, you could, there are 100 monks, and then on the other side, 100 uh, nuns on the other side, and doing our uh, circle walking for 90 minutes, slow circle walking every, uh, uh, every afternoon, of course the one who walks the slowest ends up at the front, <laughs> because he's walking slowest. And the rest of us will all be banked up behind. And it wasn't unusual, I did it myself, to walk up to the front and say, come on, <laughs> walk faster. We're not even going anywhere. We're walking in a circle. Life in monasteries is just eccentric. And... Sometimes in the dynamics of relationships and in the, in the, the silences uh, 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 of it day by day, day and actually a little bit more silence for me because it seemed to lack the DNA as many of my fellow countrymen have the capacity to learn a foreign language so it seemed to be too lazy to learn foreign language we had to travel around half the world and impose the English language on the rest of the world <laughs> to cover up for our laziness. It, I do apologise on behalf of generations of Englishmen and women 
All right. So sometimes in the silence, either voluntarily or one can't speak the language or, or, or whatever it might be, nevertheless, the good voices around contribute, as the Sangha, to leading us onwards. It is important, why, why, why this is in, uh, can't see so I don't know. <laughs> it's important, the, the, the food will arrive. It is important insofar as we wish to end the gap. As they say on the London Underground, those of you who travelled the London Underground, when you arrive at the station, Mind the gap. It's the most profound statement that's ever come out of the country. Mind the gap. And this mind the gap also applies in terms of path and goal as the metaphor. And therefore the Buddha in his wisdom and insight understands the problem of this metaphorical language because the problem of it is when there is some movement going on inside of us maybe some self-doubt maybe why am I doing this what good is it doing anybody or myself or whatever those kind of thoughts which arise with some frustration with it experience of being tired or with it or, or whatever the Buddha is then encouraged us, the practitioners, the yogis, encouraged us to engage in mindful reflection to recognize and acknowledge what changes have and are coming about, which is indicating what I was tied down to, a kind of prisoner of stuck with and in the process of all of this some of those old issues and things that were going on for us have dropped away that there is a liberating process which is going on and the reflection doesn't have to have any ego in it and the mindfulness uh, as well that you and I have the capacity and it's a precious one to be able to recognise the changes which have taken place in us, which are taking place, and there might well be a few areas in our life which were really, really troubling there. Pardon me. They may not have gone completely, but one recognises, well, this doesn't bother me like it used to. This isn't oppressing me. This past circumstance, whatever, this old habit, this old pattern, etc. And the recognition of that is the acknowledgement in spiritual language, whoa, that there is a liberating process which is going on. We're developing the mind, we're expanding the heart, we're living more mindful and conscious lives, we're taking greater care of the body, we're concerned about posture, health, heart, mind, body relationship, we're developing kindness and forgiveness, 
we're listening to others, we're exploring the teachings there, we're exploring the practices, we're seeing what is working and helpful for us, we're moving onwards. And that movement onwards is the recognition that there is some freeing up going on. Still, sometimes, three steps forward, two steps back, all of that, yes, yes, but there is some movement and freeing up which is taking place. And that is, it's liberating from, which is providing a freedom to, a freedom to be more, a peace with this world, a, a freedom to express our voice, a greater freedom to make changes in our life, or, or whatever. And that dynamic of all of, of, uh, all of that in a way, it's acknowledging, being quietly clear, a liberating or freeing process is taking place, and therefore it's, this is liberating here, this is liberating there, liberating here, liberating there. Ah, liberation. Ah, it's not so far. Ah, it's not some great magical, mystical object in the far distance we are actually tasting it in those times of the letting go in those times when a problem is not the problem like it used to be we are actually tasting it and liberation is that that taste is normal in the daily life and that generates out of us peace with life empathy with others and a mindful way of being as some outer expressions of a knowing of liberation. Thank you. Let's have our quiet minute, shall we? May all beings recognize the ongoing freeing up process that's taking place. May all beings meet fully the challenges of uh, daily life. May all beings live with empathy and liberation. Uh, roughly, 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 roughly. It's around six o'clock. And hot or warm drink. <laughs> some extras. And if the bell ringer would kindly ring the bell at five minutes to seven for us. And then at seven o'clock we'll have a sitting 
and then the uh, uh, evening program. Thank you for listening. Thank you.